Welcome to the Guitar Dads Podcast, the podcast for guitar dads by guitar dads. This week, the outlook is getting dimmer for rock, soon to be dead but in good company, and the tone mob washes over us. We may be getting some pineapple ready this week on the Guitar Dads Podcast. Now, Little Caesar and Puppet Gino, Matt and Dave. <laughs> wait, wait, which one am I? Hello, everybody. I I'm Matt. <laughs> and I'm Dave. I got you this week, buddy. Papa Gino, as long as I'm not Papa John's, Papa Gino's was good. That's we're gonna right. we're gonna we're gonna have to touch on pizza on this episode, but oh, we absolutely episode. have to, and we'll tell you guys why. Yeah. Um, anyway, so thank you everybody, thank you to our loyal listeners each and every week. Uh, keep checking us out. Uh, make sure you find us on Instagram at Guitar Dads Podcast, where we are posting clips of uh, each week. You can uh, check us out over there. You can find us in our uh, private Facebook group at Guitar Dads Podcast as well um yeah no questions asked right just join and, and yeah come just on come in. on we in and show we're not gonna like questions. like we're not gonna like ask all these questions to join a group that's annoying no well we, maybe we could but anyway yeah we digress <laughs> we will oh yeah maybe we will but anyway for now we don't but now we don't but anyway now that the socials are kind of out of the way you guys know all that stuff anyway uh we have a very special guest this week we are joined by blake wyland of the tone mob um, and if you don't know who Blake Weiland is, you're going to check him out after this. So we're, we're going to have a great conversation and a great time. Um, so real quick, let me just intro Blake. Blake is the uh, fearless uh, creator and leader of the Tone Mob, a successful podcast and social media presence since uh, 2015. He uh, also is a co-host of the Chasing Tone podcast with Brian Wampler. I'm sure you guys listen to that as well. Uh, Blake's a gearhead and a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the guitar world. Uh, and though he's not the Duke of Tone, he's pretty darn close. So, Blake, <laughs> hey man, thanks for joining us. <laughs> that was that was the best intro I think anyone's ever given me, including hey, myself. You know. That's great. Well, up, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I I love talking to people, as you can imagine. So this is do, a Blake. this we, is a treat. This is a treat. And Blake, we all, you know, we we're big listeners of the Tone Mob podcast and, um, and Chasing and of Tone course, as well. Chasing Tone as well. So you know we. We're really psyched to have you on here tonight. Well, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. I'm sure we're going to get into some shenanigans. And here's how I know we're going to get into shenanigans. I got cider. Oh, he's got cider. Yeah, this so we we always do a little drinking on this. So Dave's always drinking bourbon. I'm usually drinking some kind of wine and or beer. And so you're drinking cider. So there you go. Like we got all the, the, the food groups here covered. So yeah, I got a, yeah, that's right. I got a shilling uh Imperial Mango cider. Oh wow. That Imperial sounds mango cider. Dave gets into the ciders. I don't get so much into them. Oh, I'm getting really into the like fall. It's fall. There's apples. There's a lot of apples around. Um, it's true. You know, maybe I should do that. You know, as dads, we get you know, we, we gotta go uh, apple picking with the kids. It's like a thing you gotta do in New England. Is that a thing in the in, in the in the Pacific oh, Northwest? Yeah. It is, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I refuse to do it though. <laughs> I, I, I yeah, you're a smart man. Good for you. I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm gonna pay to do your job. Yes. That's right. I don't think exactly. so, buddy. N- no way. No yes, way. That is. That's exactly what you're doing. 
And it's usually just an excuse to get the kids out of the house and let them run around an apple orchard. That's right. Um, no, that's fine. But so I, that's, I can do that for free. Yeah. I can find an apple orchard and let them run around yeah, and just be let like, them all right. And, yeah. You don't have to pick yeah. the apples yourself. So anyway. But yeah, Blake, I just have to ask you because we were talking about this in, uh, in, in the group on Facebook. You're, so your recent video that you posted uh, about the, the uh, you, you did a, a video uh, promoting the string joy. We'll get into string joy in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. and you were enjoyed stainless steel, enjoyed stainless strings, steel base which sounds strings, awesome. And you had a tree yeah. house shirt on. And now those of those, <laughs> those listeners for, for us, our listeners are, um, that are from the Boston area, know tree house very well. It's in the central part of Massachusetts. Um, been there a number of times and we, we love that brewery. How did you end up with this shirt? Uh, so long time listener. Like, so this guy has supported the show and like all things tone mobs since, Probably since 2015. Oh wow! Honestly, isn't his name's Eric? He's always been there, like a hundred percent all the way. I met him in Nam a couple times. Super cool dude, and he's a big craft beer enthusiast. He actually his Instagram is Erock Five String. He's a bassist primarily. Oh cool! He's always posting like different craft beers with different pedals and, and things like that. So like that's his whole thing. And you know, a few times he's sent me a few extremely large care packages in the mail. And one of them was a, was a pretty substantial treehouse package. Wow, there was wow. a lot of, a lot of different treehouse beers in there. And that, that shirt was in there. It's like weirdly like a super comfortable shirt. And so I wear it all the <laughs> so time. Yeah. All that. That's right. Yeah. 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 Treehouse and, is a thing. Yeah. Tree tree, you know, treehouse is interesting because it does kind of, there's parallels to the pedal industry in um in, with Treehouse because they're a brewery and and we got these they're everywhere but we seem to have a lot in this area of us like between Massachusetts and Vermont mainly um where we got these breweries that don't want to get bigger they just it's mm-hmm. like it's like the it's like the uh, the king of tone right it's like it's like analog man he doesn't want to get bigger they don't want to expand they just want to make the best stuff they can make but then it gets like stupid because it's like. You go there. I, I think what they've done now, like post pandemic, during the pandemic, and then post, was you have to buy a whole case of beer when you go there. Yeah, you have to make a wow. reservation to buy the case of beer. It's it's like completely nuts. But anyway, I don't want to make this into a beer podcast. But <laughs> but um, but it's interesting because it's like there is a um, you know, there is an analog to uh, <laughs> to bed to pedals. <laughs> um, because it's like you know you have these guys that don't want to expand and 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 really want to keep it small and keep and keep it craft. So anyway, it's kind of interesting that that's that some companies actually want to do it that way and aren't looking to really expand and and um and make as much money as they can because I think it does. I think that come you could argue it loses something at that rate, right? So I think so. I think it's a it's a. I mean, here's what I've always said about it. Like you know, analog Mike. Super smart guy, super nice guy. He's yeah. been on the show before. And he said that exact thing. He's like, I've got guys that have worked with me for 10 plus years. You know, I've got, you know, however many years of customers waiting there for me, ready to go. I'm comfortable. Why would I want to have the extra headache of a giant operation? What does that do for me? Yeah. It does nothing. Like, and oftentimes, like, Wampler is a good friend of mine. He's talked about on the podcast. Sometimes it, he's talked to some really large gear companies now really large is relative yeah uh, because the gear industry is not that big but really large for the gear industry and we can't really name names but he said it on the podcast a lot of people have said i wish i stayed smaller Mm. i bring home the exact same paycheck with massive massive amounts more of a headache 
you know, and yeah. it just isn't, it isn't worth it to some people to expand and some industries don't require it. So if Treehouse is just like, we're good right here. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I totally get it. They are. Yeah, they've get just it. avoided yeah. distribution. I mean, you, you occasionally you'll go, if you go to like a, a restaurant nearby them, they'll, you'll see the beers there, but that's about it. They won't distribute to liquor stores or anything else. And you don't see them at festivals or, you know, um, any of these kinds of events. So but, it's very interesting and they're very successful at what they do. You know, like, I was you... told they just got a golf course. Is that, <laughs> is it accurate? They, I haven't heard that. that. We say that again. I was told they just like bought or oh, opened yes. a so golf they, course. Now they're expanding yeah. into Easter. This is a very interesting. So now we're going to get into like a whole beer thing. Oh, geez, uh, they, They've go. expanded into, no, we'll do two seconds on this, but they've expanded into <laughs> Eastern Massachusetts now. And it's the town, two towns over from me. And I'm very psyched. Yeah, they bought, um, they bought a, a, they, they bought the Tewksbury Country Club and everybody's just on the edge of their seat waiting to see oh, what they're yes. going to do with this place. Cause they're going to, are they going to keep it for events? Cause that was a very popular place for weddings. It's a really nice golf course. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what they do. So we may do, we may actually see some expansion of Treehouse. Okay. Well, they have bands there, we're, yeah. which we're really, Matt and I are really oh, happy. We're gonna, I'm going to have to go. If it's just in Tewksbury, I'm going to have to go and play there with my band. So yeah. stay tuned for that. But Blake, do you think like the boutique pedal, like, I mean, you could argue something like Analog Man is kind of ultra boutique to some extent. Do you mm -hmm. think that adds to the mystique of these pedals? Like, do you think? Like people just want these pedals more because of that, you know. Like, what, what do you like? What do you think about that? Is like in the market because you're, you're you're so into this pedal market. I'm interested what you think about that approach. I mean, I think the Analog Man is in a really unique situation that is going to be almost impossible to replicate. Okay, you know, he came up in a time when that mystique was really a thing that you could cultivate. Yeah, right. Yeah, you could, and I don't think he did it on purpose. Some people yeah. do, yeah. But I don't think I don't think he did. I think it just kind of happened, and the yeah. the demand just always outstripped the supply because of how he likes to do things, and therefore the mystique was kind of built, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the same can be said for Bill and the Clon or not. I've, I've actually had a few conversations with Bill. He's a very interesting guy. Oh, really? So you know, I don't think he intentionally built any kind of. Like, I don't think he intentionally did what he did either, but his supply was so much lower Like he didn't get a waiting list. He didn't, you know, he just basically built, built it when he could build it. And when he felt like building it, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a different thing. So like, I don't know that that is able to be replicated this day and age, how much information is out there. Yeah. I think you know, that's I, probably right. Yeah. That's interesting. It's like, and you know, he write, you know, and Bill writes on the KTR, Right, that he says something like, "This is the 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 hype around this is not of my own doing or something," <laughs> and it, you know, I think so. he may not think it is, you know, but I think it it in some ways is whether whether he can see oh, it or totally. not. It's like, right. well, dude, oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's like, dude, you're not really making a lot of these. <laughs> At least yeah. Analog Mike is getting through his wait list, right? Like he's he's rolling through it, you know. But this guy, he's like, making a way for people to get it. Yeah. You know, the KTR even is still like, if you try to buy a KTR secondhand, it's way more. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 So it's like, what the heck? So, yeah, I would say a little bit of it is, or most of it is his doings because he could be making a ton of these things and even charging a good amount of money and people would pay for him, I think. Well, and that's, lawn, that's you know? the, that's the balance, right? You know, cause analog Mike, I think is up to like a five year waiting list. Right. And some people are like, that's ridiculous. And I understand not wanting to wait that long, but at the same time, 
if I was him, I wouldn't do anything different. No, absolutely not. Yeah. And at the same I time, agree. when he, when he decides to kind of stop, you know, stop the operation, it's going to add to the hype even more because think about that waiting list of people that aren't going to get those pedals, you know, what, what's going to happen with them. And they, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll, there'll be a load of people that'll, you know, pay whatever, whatever you, you name it on the secondary market for those. So what, I think yeah. Mike will stop it before it gets to that point. I think if he think knows, so? like, I'm going to retire in five years, it'll just be like, it'll just kill the waiting off. list. Yeah. 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 Yep. Maybe, yep. maybe, I think people will get their pedals. You think when he retires, he's going to write like a diatribe, like, um, like, um, <laughs> full tone did. <laughs> Let's, let's, let's not get into that. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to make. Oh, we can. Not, I don't yeah. care. What do I care? I, 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 <laughs> What's I he gonna do? <laughs> right, let's talk about it. Let's he's go. gonna have like. He's, yeah. Is he gonna write like this braggadocious, um, <laughs> um, like 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 thing when he retires, like full tone did? Um, I thought that was. I, I, I was entertained by that. I'll tell you right now. I, I was yeah. too. I was also. Some people were surprised by it. I'm like, even before any of the controversy. You don't have to go down that trail, yeah, but like even before that. any of that, we all, everybody in the industry knew how Mike was. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even, I never even talked to him, and I've, I've seen screenshots, and yeah, everybody knows how the guy is. That's not news. It's like, are you shocked that he left this, this letter? Because nobody else <laughs> nobody is. Else but some people, <laughs> somebody else, some people were. I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. some people were a little shocked. Out. Yeah, but it, I, I agree with you, Big. I remember like back in the day, like seeing screenshots where he's just being very like short with people and it just you know sometimes being downright rude to people and it was like wow like wow this guy's a trip isn't he <laughs> <laughs> uh but anyway but he he made some great pedals you gotta admit he just did you know? absolutely so, he, oh i mean you can't you, yeah. uh, you can't talk about the boutique pedal market without bringing up full tone i i think i actually said it i remember if it made the cut or not i know i said it when they were here filming but for the pedal movie yeah it was like i don't know if anybody's talking about full tone but we don't, I mean, he literally invented the term. He didn't invent the actual thing because a mechanical bypass switch is a mechanical bypass switch, but he invented the term true bypass. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't realize oh. that. Oh, is interesting. That right? Okay. Mm -hmm. But that, you know, Blake, I, I had forgot for a second that you were in the, the, the pedal movie. You were in it a lot. And that thing was awesome. That was a great movie. I loved it. I, I am still like, I was in a duck. You were in that a lot. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, that was <laughs> what? good. It was great. I love I loved it. We talked about that on the podcast for almost a whole episode. How great, <laughs> how good it was. <laughs> we're like, oh yeah, and then they talk about this. We're like we're talking about all this stuff that like you might not know, you know, which they go through right in the movie. So anyway, if I you mean, guys haven't like, heard, that's it, it's like must see TV for the guitar geek. It really is. Yeah, you if know? you haven't so, watched yeah. the pedal movie, which came out from Reverb, right? Yes, yeah, Re Reverb yep. produced it. If you haven't watched that? Go go and check it out. It's really cool. So it's like, like what. But a year old now, maybe a little more than that. Yeah, yeah. year, year and a half, year and somewhere a half in that so. ballpark. Yeah, cool. But yeah, they actually came here. They were like right over there. Yeah, and how were you? How were you? They were in the shred shed. How were you approached <laughs> mm -hmm. for that? How did this come about? Uh, they basically they were coming to Portland. Oh, okay. They were coming to Portland, and and they they talked to uh, actually Jack Deville from Mister Black was filmed out here too. Oh yeah, we just flip we just flipped it around. So when they were filming me, it was point the cameras were pointed one way, and then we flipped the set. And then when they were talking to him, it was the oh, other that's way. That's crazy. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Jack's actually sitting in my what you I, I have a standing desk now, but he's sitting in what used to be my podcasting chair. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. In the movie. Oh, so okay. like however many podcasts were recorded in that chair, and then it's in the pedal movie. My grandpa upholstered it. It's all this weird thing. But it's awesome. Yeah. So 
so that that happened and they were just coming to Portland because there's so many people to talk to. And for some reason they thought I was one of those people. So oh, wow. that's just what we did. And it was, I was still, I was like, I'm in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. My family's awesome. like, my family doesn't, they're like, you're in a what? <laughs> like I'm in a documentary about guitar pedals. They're like, you're such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like the ultimate nerdum for, you know, guitar pedals. Right. The, mm. First of all, just like having a whole movie about the, I mean, the, 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 the the whole product, everything was great about the whole thing. I loved it. So, well, Blake, you said cool. it on your last part on the last tone mob. You said it where you said like, it's like, it's not only that we're talking about, we're like geeking out about guitars. We're geeking out about this one piece of the guitar. That's right. Exactly. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's well, one piece of the guitar and then like a chip inside of yeah, it. Yeah, that's like, right. Oh yeah. It gets more detailed or than that. Herbiter. Yeah. Yeah. Does it have the magic germanium diode? That's right. That's right. Like, watch out. We yeah. have to get germanium. You gotta watch the temperature with the germanium. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Very like, sensitive. Like, but we love this stuff. That's what we love to do. But it's true. Like trying to explain this to someone outside of the guitar world. We actually do have some listeners because we do like to talk about music so much. We, yeah. we have a bunch of listeners that don't know about guitars. So, so sorry guys. Like, we might get pretty into guitars, but there's other topics too that you guys might like. Oh yeah, um, and in this. Speaking of that, Dave, do you want to just let, let's just quickly go through the news because it's it's what we yeah do. let's get let's just get into sort and do our news yeah. and notes because we do this every single week and and every time we have a guest on Blake, hey, we'd love to, for you to chime in on these uh, topics. Um, it's kind of a thin news week, I guess. Kind of as you know, not like some of our bigger news weeks we've had recently, but. Um, so the halftime show of the Super Bowl, which we've you know railed on plenty in this podcast, <laughs> they they announced that Rihanna will be the performer, and of course you know Rock is dead in the Super Bowl. So anyway, there we we said it. Let's go on. We uh, did. No, we actually ahead. did. Go a ahead whole, and we we actually did a whole segment on this way back around the super time of the Super Bowl, so about a year ago, um, and we we got into this about. You know, when was the last time a real rock act was in there? And it was, it's been a long time. Let's put it that way. It's been Which since like the early 2000s. Because rock, rock act was there. And we've talked yeah. about a number of times recently in this pod that rock really, you know, a lot of people think rock is dead. Rock certainly is not dead. It's, it's well, it's alive and well and kicking hard. And it just, it's just not, it, I, I don't think you're ever going to see a rock act come back to the Super Bowl because it's just not that it's a, it's a popularity contest and they're going to bring on the most popular or a popular artist, you know, to get people to watch it. it it's obvious. I mean, everybody what? knows that, but it's like, you're never going to see the bigger rock bands. I don't believe ever again, playing the Super Bowl. Blake, what, what do you think? What, yeah. Blake, do you think, do you like, do you care about this? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and I never have. Okay, I never have. In fact, when you brought this up just a little bit, you were like talking about the Super Bowl halftime show. I'm like, it happened. <laughs> like, wait, there's a Super Bowl halftime show. Wait, surely the Super Bowl didn't happen yet. No, I don't no, know. no, like, it happens in February. Just started. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, but they, they, the big yeah. news is they just announced that Rihanna was going to do it. Yeah. So you don't care either way what the heck happens, Blake. What about this, Blake? Do you no, because they're not going to have they're not going to have a band that I even want to watch on there ever. Yeah. Anyway, that's true. Ever, that's true. That like yeah. I don't know that they ever have had anybody that I super cared about. I mean, I actually really liked the last one, and that wasn't rock. Yeah, it was actually pretty good. I agree. Yeah, actually. It was. Yeah. Um, but but like I I don't know. I like weird stuff. So none <laughs> of my interests have ever. It's not that I don't like mainstream artists. There's plenty of mainstream artists I do love, but I just I like really weird things that have never been in the like as far as like my adulthood goes. 
I'm always trying to find the weirdest thing that I like, and it's never been something that would ever play at the Super Make Bowl. It to the Super Bowl, yeah. It, and I'm not trying to be a hipster with it, but that, <laughs> that's just that's just what it is. Like I like weird things, and they're not going to play Death Heaven at the Super Bowl. They're just not. <laughs> but not that's how you find such great music that's out there that you wouldn't normally come across. I mean, I can't tell you how many bands that I listen to that I. I, I bet you like I half the people that most everybody that I know would never have heard. They've never heard of any of these bands. And to me, they're, they're some of the best out there doing it right now, you know? So it's, it's yeah. great to, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of cool to get away from the mainstream and just explore music as a whole and find something out there that maybe not a lot of people are into, but you can really dig, you know? Yeah. Well that, I think that's, what's especially great about the internet age. We actually talk about this a lot on the podcast, Blake, like, what is it like these days being an artist? Like we've had some artists on. I'm sure I know you've talked to them about this kind of stuff on on Tomob too. Cause it's it's like, you know, what is it like? I, I think it's like it's probably the hardest thing to do is to like get yourself out there and notice because there's so many people out there doing it online. Right. But the, but what's great about that is you can find people so much easier than you could in the old days where you kind of had to be a part of a scene or like people passed around, you know, tapes or bootlegs, that kind of stuff. Like those, the, it was, it was more difficult. It was like, you turn on the radio and you listen to it. I think we're a little older than you, Blake, but you're probably old enough to remember like before the real internet age just took off and, oh yeah, you know, so, um, you know, like that, that, that's what I love about it is that there's so many great bands that you can discover and it's, it's, I think it's amazing. So it's a weird thing. I mean, yeah, I definitely have made phone calls on a rotary telephone, so I am, <laughs> yeah, am, am pre internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it's, it's a double edged sword, right? So it's, is it more difficult to di- get discovered now? I would say it's probably about the same. Mm. And I think it, the reason I think mm. that is because sure. The noise is hard to cut through because there's so much out there. There is so many people trying to grab your attention totally. to get them to listen to your music, trying to get them to listen to this podcast, like yes. trying to get your attention for any number of reasons. It's extremely difficult to cut through the noise. But the fact is like in the seventies, you couldn't just pop your phone up and record yourself making a cover and potentially have anyone hear it at all. That's right. At all. You had to get on the road and you had to just like hit the pavement and play every stupid venue that you could possibly play and really just go, go. And you can still do that. You can still do that and that can still work. But additionally, you have this whole other channel or multiple channels that is the Internet. Yeah. So is it harder? Mm, I don't think so. I don't think the path to making your living as an artist has ever been easy. We only know about all the successes or at least the moderate successes we don't know about the thousands and thousands of people that hit the road and never were heard from again. They were never recorded. They were never anything totally. other than that one or two shows they played. And maybe they were amazing. Maybe they were the greatest band on the planet, but they didn't hit at the right place at the right time. Yep. These days, you can make your output so much if you really want it. You can really go and go and go and go and you can amplify that. Yeah, yeah. And now your fans can go like, this is dope. I want to show somebody this. No, I think and right. they have actually like little microphones and yeah. little platforms where it, your signal can get amplified so much more now that I don't know that I can say that it's actually harder. I think it's about the same and you can do it from your own home studio. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's never been possible. Which is before. amazing. Yeah. It's interesting you say that, Blake, that you think it's the same because I think you're probably right. And one thing we, we had some guys on, some local guys that play in a pretty popular cover band in this area. And they're like veterans of like the Boston music scene from the 70s day yeah, back to the 70s 70s yeah. into the 80s like back when boston mm-hmm. was the place like aerosmith was hitting but the band boston yeah, was hitting, boston the, the cars yeah. were hitting cars so all these bands and and they 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 described it like these guys are out there in original bands at the time and they would see like all their like f- fellow bands get signed and um and you know and then like and, and and they can name all these bands that maybe even got to the point where they got signed and just never went anywhere just got dropped like in six months and you know and, mm-hmm. and i remember like they said like like one of the guys i think i think john's a little bitter john if you're listening to this i'm sorry i think john's a little bitter because <laughs> because he he would say stuff like you know we would you know we would get on stage and 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 we would open for these bands that were signed and then these bands would get on stage and we would be like we we're so much better than them and it's like well you know mm-hmm. this is why like you can't explain it sometimes <laughs> right just the just the the weird way of the universe working in yeah, the yeah, universe yeah. right so, so but i think just... you're right but i think it's and it's isn't it so weird like you watch stuff online and some people are just going viral and you're like what the hell like why is this going viral like i still i still feel like there's there's like some X factor that's out there in the internet age. And it's just, it's, it's the same thing. Like, you know, a song goes on the radio when it hits, like you can't always explain why. Right. Well, and I mean, think about some of your favorite songs yeah. some of my favorite songs, I'm like, technically this is not great. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's technically, a good point. yeah. Technically this song is kind of lackluster or I could play it with, you know, like, I mean, there's a lot of things where I'm like, it's not the fact that it's technical. You know, when he says he's better, I, I, what does that even mean? Yeah. You know, yeah. what is better? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Tighter. In, in, his, right. yeah like, in his opinion. Right. This is right. the thing. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. 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 But he might be right. Yeah. Like he might like, I, I, I don't know. Cause I haven't seen what he's talking <laughs> about. I obviously wasn't alive, but <laughs> we, we weren't either. So. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, just like watching, maybe he's like, Oh, I could have nailed that solo a lot better, you know, or I would have picked different phrasing there. But then again, like one of my favorite bands and this is, a lot of people's favorite band but like nirvana not technically that great oh, yeah but they're but they're amazing for me it's the I whole package band. right because it's mm-hmm. it's it there's a lot of things that have to hit your brain for your with music that really get you to, to like it whether it's you know the something with the guitars or the rhythm or the, the there's you know it's really hooky or whatever you know and and music is really interesting in that way because you're right. It doesn't have to be like there doesn't to the artist even. It doesn't have to be perfect. And I can't tell you how many interviews I've heard from you know big acts where they they talk about how this song came about and how did this become a big hit single. And a lot of times they talk about well, we never expected this to be a hit single. We didn't even like the song that much, you know. And like next thing you right. know, it's you know hitting number one. So my favorite story about a hit song is um is Toto's Africa. And yeah, and the story goes and in, in um. Uh, what's his name? Oh, geez. Lukather. Steve um, Lukather. Yeah, Steve, 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 Steve yeah. Lukather has told this story a bunch where he said, you know, we recorded the song and I was like, eh, whatever, guys. If that hits, I'm going to like run down Main Street, whatever city naked. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, apparently he still hasn't run down the street naked. Come on, Steve. <laughs> like yeah, one yeah, of the like, biggest songs of all like, time. Like, Steve, what the hell are you doing, man? So, but anyway, but I, yeah, that's like a perfect, perfect case in point. Like, you never, sometimes you just don't know. So it's interesting. It definitely is. So, 
sometimes you're too close to it. Yeah. Right. So so like we, this is a completely, eh, it's sort of related, but I had somebody today comment that they couldn't tell a difference in that string demo we were talking about earlier. Oh yeah. They were like, ah, they were like, that sounds the same to me with both sets. And to me, it was so clear. Like I could, I could really hear. I think it was very clear. Yeah. I I heard it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought so too, but I like, but I'm always second guessing myself. And I think, that's a good thing to do. And so I sent it to Richard and, and Brian, especially as Brian's got like crazy oh, Brian, good ears. Oh, man. He's got like the best ears in the ears. business. I he think. really, he yeah. really does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I was like, am I am I too close to this? That's what I said. Am I too close to this and I'm not being objective? Or does this guy literally not able to hear it? Because there's my friend Leon who does Pelican Noiseworks. This is, I've told this story before on the podcast, yeah. but. We were working on something in my garage and my dryer's in my garage. And it was, well, it was an old dryer. And he was like, ah, ah, oh, st- what is that? I have to go. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that sound has got to stop, whatever that is right now. <laughs> and I, I was like, what, what are you talking about? And he's like, that, that frequency, you don't hear it? And then I was like, what do you mean that? Like, and I could, I was like, oh, yeah, there's a little bit of a, like, really really subtle i wouldn't have noticed if he hadn't pointed it out and he was like that is killing me this has to turn off or we have to stop this project wow. like whatever and then you we can't just, not like, hear it on a garage right? door it's just there yeah but even then it still was like i can get over this yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no but yeah. but it was killing him and that guy's got really good ears he's mixed records and done a lot of yeah, stuff yeah, he's cool he can hear things that i can't hear yeah. you know yeah so yeah that's why i was asking brian i'm like am i going crazy or can this guy just simply not hear and you what know, did Brian and, say? And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Brian was like, there was a big yeah, difference. I mean, yeah, I mean, there was a big obvious, difference. But maybe, yeah. you know. So yeah. everybody, go and check this out if you haven't listened to this. Even if you're not a bass player, just go. I'm not a bass player. I, I'm not a bass player. I thought player. it was great. I'm not. Yeah, I thought it was great. This yeah. is a perfect transition, though. So, Blake, for our listeners that don't know, and I think you'd be living under a rock, if you don't know the Tone Mob, and you don't know about Chasing Tone Podcast and Brian Wampler and why don't you tell our listeners about about you, how you got started in this whole thing, and then uh, a lot of your other endeavors, including String Joy and uh, your time with uh, with Brian and, and all that stuff. Oh wow, yeah. Well, ultimately, it all stems back to the podcast. I mean, I don't know how far back you want to go. I started playing guitar like most people do around twelve or fourteen. Okay. Uh, I learned the aforementioned uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" yep. oh, on yeah. an acoustic guitar, Very and nice. and and it was just like, oh. I was so amazed. I was like, I figured that out with no help. And I, granted, it's a super simple song, but I didn't even know what E minor chord. I was just like, jut, jut, dut, 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 dut. And there like, it was. was like, we've been, we've figured, all been there. Whoa, we've whoa. all been there. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I was like, but it was, something clicked in my mind. I was like, wow, I can actually do something. I mean, that's the song's on the radio and I could play it pretty quickly. So I, I really set something off in my brain and then I was just kind of obsessed. And I think what really hit me was my dad is also a guitar player. So I grew up watching him play, but he's not a gearhead. Mm. He prim- primarily plays acoustic. Mm. And so these heavier bands were starting to come out at the time. Lincoln Park was one that I was really into and it was like middle school. And I was like, how, how are they getting their guitars to sound that low and heavy? Oh yeah. I didn't understand I'd never heard a guitar sound like that before. And that sent me down. Yeah. 
so so many whole other rabbit so holes. many so, holes so Blake, yeah. when like you're yeah. kind of, even though like you know tone wob isn't all all only about pedals but how did like how did you but you you're kind of known as like one of the pedal the biggest pedal geeks out there um right <laughs> but, but, but tell us about like how like when did you like get into pedals like how did this start for you with the guitar pedal love affair you know it, ironically it starts with a tube amp yeah starts with the orange tiny tiny tear oh, okay so oh. i pl- i plugged into one of those and that was like the first real eye-opening experience i had sonically where i was like oh boy i've been playing music for like six years but this is a different thing yeah this tube amp stuff is is something else <laughs> and and so i was then opened up to the pos- all the possibilities. So I immediately, you know, at that time, I just plugged into that. I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was a tube amplifier. Mm, That's okay. all I knew. And so I started diving down all the forums because I didn't have that much money to spend. So I was like, well, what tube amp do I want to buy? I knew I didn't want to buy a Tiny Terror because Leon was buying one and we were playing together. I was like, well, I don't want to sound exactly like him. I got to find a different tube amp. And it all started there. So once I went down that rabbit hole and bought a bunch of stuff that like didn't really work for me. I, I finally <laughs> figured out I'm kind of a clean ish amp guy that I like to get my flavor from pedals and a big, it was just a big eye opening experience for me to realize that like, wow, I spent all this money getting nice guitars, nice amps. And I can completely just completely change that sound with a even $50 yeah. pedal. I completely change it. That's where the obsession started because I could just modify my signal into just complete insanity for relatively little yeah. money at the time. Yeah. And and that was really what did it. For so me. your first tube amp was it was a tiny terror, an orange shiny terror. It was the first one I plugged into. And oh, played. OK, wow. That's all mm-hmm. right. Yeah, you're yeah. right about that. That's a that's kind of interesting. <laughs> but so yeah. so so you but you then you eventually evolved into just clean amps with pedals, huh? Kind yeah. of. I mean, I branched out from there. I realized that's what I liked for playing with a band. Okay. Uh, and then I say clean. I mean, like by clean, I mean kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're not playing like like you weren't playing like the hot rod, um, hot rod deluxe, or were you? No, but I I, I wasn't. Okay. I the first the first tube amp I got that was my own was a Fender seventy five. Okay. So that was the last of the hand wired. Fenders oh, okay. from the early, early 80s. I think um, I've heard they were Rivera's, like Rivera designs. I don't know if that's true. I can't really. I used to know this really well. I can't remember what the deal is now. But I still have one. Uh, and it's got a clean and dirty channel. It's one of the first channel switching fenders, I believe. Mm. The thing about it is, is it can sound really amazing and do that fender clean with lots of headroom. Mm. Uh, it's switchable between 15 and 75 watts, yeah, oh, which wow. is kind of wild. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you really just need to leave it in 15. I don't, the 75 is, is, is chaos, yeah. but, <laughs> yeah. but the channel switching never really worked that well. The channel switching, like you can either have a great drive sa- sound and a terrible clean sound or a great clean sound and a terrible drive yeah. sound. And I found that like getting a good clean and then using pedals yep. or clean ish sound and getting pedals, I could get way, a way bigger variety of tones that felt and sounded how I wanted them to feel and sound. And so, yeah, that limitation of that amplifier is weirdly what sent me more down the pedal path. Cause like, well, I can get almost any sound I could think of with good pedals mm. and, and pro guitar shop had a physical location at that time in Portland. Oh, really? Oh, and, okay. Yeah. 
And so I got to go there. I, I mean, I remember like lugging my my gear up into their little tiny <laughs> closet, like playing everything and and always saying that I was going to come out with a nice, a nice normal overdrive pedal and coming out with like the most ridiculous fuzz was, pedal of all was time. Like, like Andy well, just hanging around there at the time. <laughs> no. So the, that was at the warehouse. Oh, OK, so Pro Guitar Shop actually had a really nice, like super cool physical location in downtown Portland. And then they had a warehouse that was kind of in the suburbs. Oh, okay. And, and so, you know, there was there was people that would. I I just was doing some like concrete work downtown. I was like, "What's this store?" And I didn't even click in my brain that it was the Pro Guitar Shop because I thought they were only an online yeah, store. Yeah, yeah. And and they had it for a couple of years. It was a really cool spot. That's really, really great. cool spot. But that that helped. Uh, yeah, spur my pedal. So that's how you got sure. into this. But so how did you? You know, so you started Tone Mob 2015, which is really like around the time a lot of these guitar podcasts started, right? There weren't a ton at the time, right? So you were like one of the first movers on this guitar, like this idea of guitar podcasts, right? Or were you not? I don't know. Yeah, I I was (laughs) actually pretty early to it. I didn't realize how early at the time. So there was one called, I think, just the Guitar Podcast. Yeah, I remember that one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and, I didn't really love that one. I mean, I didn't give it like a super long shake. I didn't listen to it for a long. It was just like there were several episodes. And I'm like, man, this guy's just driving in his car. Yeah, wasn't that just the one to- dude? Yeah, like I listened to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I got into guitars. I well, I was I've been, we we've been in guitars for a long time, but I really got into the heavy gear stuff in t- around 2015, and that's when I found mm-hmm. you and and I think 60 Cycle and the Guitar Nerds. And chasing tone. And these are like, and those mm-hmm. are still like the core ones that I listen to now. It's so funny, even though there's like a million other great ones that I still listen to. But so how did you mm-hmm. like knowing like the landscape of guitar podcasts at the time? What made you decide to do like this interview based podcast? Maybe it was listening to this. Oh, no, but listen to this guitar guy and being like, I don't want to just be this dude in his car talking. No, it, it wasn't even that necessarily. It was it was the fact that nobody else was doing it. Yeah, I like I really liked a lot of interview based podca- podcasts. I was listening to the Nerdist at the yeah. time, and I listened to like the Tim Ferriss podcast mm-hmm. and a few other ones. And I really liked interview podcasts because I liked getting to know people through those those formats. Yeah, yeah, and I realized that nobody, at least as far as I was aware, was doing that at the time. That that was really what drove it. There's nobody doing interviews. That to me They're, is almost like, don't like, you want to, don't you, don't, don't you want to talk to Robert Keeley? Don't you want to find out about what makes that guy tick? Yeah. 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 Like that's very surely, surprising right? to me because I, I, that it feels like, you know, the, this whole, this whole theme of guitars and gear just lends itself to, you know, talking to other people, you know? But Blake, so, that's what mm-hmm. I think is brilliant about what you did because you didn't just go and say, all right, let me go talk to like the most famous guitar player artist I can talk to right like let me I, i'm you know, like because you you would think like oh guitar podcast let's talk to guitarists like let's just talk to players but you got down this road of let's dig into the people that are making all this gear that everybody loves and let's and mm-hmm. let's like figure out what makes them tick and why they're doing this and so that's what i think was amazing about it is that it's like because I, I think when i first discovered you i'm like who the hell are these people that he's interviewing <laughs> Like, I remember like right. scrolling through your feed, like in 2015 or sh- shortly thereafter, it's probably 2016. And I was like, who are these people? And then I was like, I don't know. Like, and then, but then I would read and I'd be like, oh, this person makes this pedal or they, they make these guitars. And then I started listening. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is so interesting as someone who's really into guitars. So I don't know, like pr- pretty, pretty brilliant move on your part, man. 
I mean, a lot of it, well, I appreciate that, but a, a, it was largely selfish. <laughs> yeah, because you wanted like, to know. Yeah. I wanted to yeah, know. Right. I mean, I sure, like, everyone wants to know what Slash thinks. Sure. But, like, he's been interviewed a million yeah, times. Right. Yep. Keeley has still only been interviewed maybe, like, ten times, maybe yeah, more. Yeah. But, like, not that many times. There's plenty of interviews with famous guitar players. And I, don't get me wrong. I still want to interview famous You still want to interview Slash. You got to admit. <laughs> oh, I want to interview. Of course, although what, what wasn't yeah, the mark? Let, let, I will start smoking again. Just, uh, if Slash to, wants you, to come on gotta, the podcast, it, you got to mm-hmm. admit the Mark Agnese thing. I know, I know you know Mark. You got to admit that the the collection he did with Slash was. I'm a big Slash fan, obviously. Um, you got to mm-hmm. admit that collection episode was incredible. Probably the most, of course, in it was depth episode. The in depth interview with Slash about gear that's ever happened. Right. As a, as a Slash so. fan, I think that's probably true. Um, so I think so. Was, yeah. And I think Mark did a good job. With I think it he too. did great. Uh, I, I thought yeah, they were going to like, I know, you know, Mark, I thought they were going to um really stay away from the non Gibson stuff and not talk about his BC riches because the BC riches are a big part of what Slash does. Um, not Absolutely. a big part, but you know, they they were kind of his roots and you know, that's how we evolved and he still plays them on stage. Um, and then the Derrick, of course, I thought they might just completely ignore the Derrick, which is that replica let less Paul that was mm-hmm. made for him that he recorded appetite for destruction on, um, for those of you that aren't slash geeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> and now um, comes the time t- of the podcast they, where Matt just spent, goes off on yeah, slash and they spent a long time, um, uh, about, um, about the Derek. So anyway, I, I digress, but, um, but yeah. yeah. Well, I can say this. Mark obviously works for Gibson. Yeah. Now. And I've got, I think next week's episode is actually going to, that is his. Oh, episode. great. Okay. So yeah. I'm really, I, may, I know you yeah. mentioned you were going to have him on. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So we, we did that. It was great. I mean, I, I feel like this is a little bit of an aside, but I feel like Mark is like very misunderstood. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think yeah. he, he, people think that yeah sure he's only going to talk about the gibson stuff no mark loves he guitar. does yeah you got to remember sure. he was at norman's and he invented stratterday and mm-hmm. <laughs> so like he he loves guitar yeah yeah, yeah. that's great yeah. yeah so so that's never changed in fact i found this very interesting about him as somebody who made his living crawling under houses machines and dealing with oily gross stuff for most of my life he's like i've never made a living Outside That's of guitar, amazing. whether he was playing it in bands or whatever, working at norms, all the other jobs, we, we get into a lot of this stuff. But he's never had another, like a career in another wow. industry. Wow. Always been about guitar. That's wild, pretty right? amazing. That is pretty wild. Yeah, that that's amazing. Um, good for him. Wow. Yeah. No, I think Mark is great. I loved watching him on norms. Obviously, he built that whole. He really put norms on the map and social media. You got to hand it to him. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, no, I, and I love the stuff he's doing with Gibson. I think it's incredible. I, I think he's really doing a great job with it. So you know, you know, yes, he made that uh, video about you know play authentic, blah blah blah. Everybody acknowledges that was a mistake. It wasn't Mark's fault. <laughs> well, including including himself. If if you uh, yeah yeah yeah, get get don't, don't preview yeah. too much. Don't don't give away too much. Everybody go listen to this episode. Yes. Uh, I mean, I I do want to put some of this out okay, there though, because there's so much so much. You know, it can't be said enough. Not everyone who listens to this is going to go over to the show. And I do want this to get out there. And obviously, I like Gibson. I own more Gibsons than any other brand. They've always been deep in in my heart. My heroes played Gibsons. But I also acknowledge they've had a lot of missteps. Yeah. Bad ones. Yep. Bad ones. Bad ones. So I'm not going to just like 
totally just give them a pass on everything. But, you know, as Mark said in the interview, that's why I feel like comfortable saying this. He's like, he's like, look, I'm not the guy who calls the lawyers. Like, I'm (laughs) I'm not the one who sues people like that's not. He's like, that's not my deal. I don't want anybody to get sued, you know? So it's, he's just, he's the face. And that's, that's what comes with being the face of something that you don't have full control over. Yeah. Yeah. It is funny to me because sometimes I watch these things that he does on Gibson. I forget that he's like, this is like a Gibson show, you know, because you do get that vibe from him that he's just really into guitars. And I think they have. You know, they definitely pulled out on that collection show. They pulled out non Gibsons, not not just with Slash. They've done it with other artists. So you know, it's kind of. I think with Joe Bonamassa, they might. have. I don't know if they went as far as to pull out some strats, but they might have. They might have. Now that I think about it. Um. Anyway. Anyway, I think I think mm-hmm. I think what he's doing is good. So, and I'm a big I'm a big Gibson fan as well. Davis, he's got the shirt on. Well, um, you know, I gotta rep the Gibson tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's got mm-hmm. the yeah, oh, he got the Gibson hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There I you mean, go. We, mm-hmm. we love Gibson. Well, we love Gibson and Fender, but we, you know, we really love. G- I think Dave and I probably have more more Gibsons than any other guitar too. So, so there you go. Um. So, so there it is. So, so, so tone, so tone mob. You got this rolling. And then you get asked to go on Chasing Tone, another massive podcast. Yeah, how, how does that, that come about? How does that work? <laughs> so, uh, so I should, I, yeah, that actually deserves a little bit of a highlight too, as far as like how that happened. Because first of all, again, to mention my friend Leon, who a lot of the stuff goes back to, yep. uh, he, he was like, have you checked out Wampler's Chasing Tone? Because he knew that I was like looking at the Velvet Fuzz and whatever. Yep. And I was like, what do you mean? What? Because he knew I liked podcasts, knew I liked guitar gear. And he was literally like, Dude, you gotta check out Chasing Tone podcast. Like, what, what you, the hell is that? What do you, what do you, what, like, what do you mean? Am I gonna sit down and listen to guys nerd out about <laughs> gear for an hour? I'm gonna listen to that on purpose, <laughs> you know? And and he, he's like, it's just like what we yeah. do. It's great, yeah. except you get to do it on your way to That's work. Right. And, I, and I was like, oh, okay. When you put it that way, and I listened to it. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is fantastic. Max and Travis are awesome. I was a massive fan of the chasing tone podcast before I started tone mom. Yep. So I don't know how deep into the episodes. I feel like I got there pretty early. Maybe I was listening around episode 30 oh, okay. or so. I went back and listened to all of it, but I feel like that's about when I came in. All right. Well, so pretty early. Yeah. I mean, I have to tell you as weird as it is to say now, all these years later that like, I just like Brian and I just goof off all the time. But when Brian emailed me, Brian actually emailed me about coming on Tone Mob after I'd started. I was only on episode, I don't know, under 30, whatever it was. Yep. yep. Uh, he, he sent me an email. I woke up. I was getting ready to go to work, and I was checking my emails. Oh, an email from Brian Wampler. I was like, I listened to Bri- This is insane. I can't that's believe awesome. Brian Wampler yeah, that's great, wants to do my show. And I think that had to do with the fact there were no other interviews. Yeah. Yeah, right? no, that's right. Yeah. Oh. Oh. So we just, he did that episode uh, and, you know, I did it with my phone at my job while the trains were going by and, and the whole, the whole thing. Uh, and we just hit it off. That's great. We just, we just became really good friends. And then after, after episode 100, when Max and Travis went on to different jobs, which ironically, Travis is back now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah. Doing, he, well, he's back working for Wampler, yeah. right? I think he's working for a boutique, oh, as, boutique a whole. as a whole. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if I, I forgive me, if that's not correct, I'm pretty <laughs> Sorry, sure that's Travis. true. 
<laughs> Despite what a lot of people think, I don't work for Waffle. Yeah, you don't, right? A lot you of actually people, don't. I, I mean, you probably. I never have. Now, do you get? I, I take it that you test out some prototypes, or does he not even give you prototypes? I do. I have okay. tested prototypes out here yeah, and there, okay. but not. He's got such a big team. Yeah, internally not officially. That, like, you don't do it officially. <laughs> no, I do it for yeah, fun. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. but. But yeah, a lot of people are like, well, hey, you, your guy works for you, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, I've never, until we started doing Patreon, I've never gotten a dime from him. That's, wow, <laughs> you know, really? Like, okay, that's interesting. Okay, great. Yeah, because you guys just mm-hmm. recently started Patreon, which is awesome. Um, yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's honestly, it's just an excuse for us to, to get go, to talk to, longer. Like, oh, we have to do it to for do Patreon. Right. Yeah, no. to get a it's crazy, yeah. the excuses, we, the sacrifices yeah, 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 yeah. that must be made you know, with, these, <laughs> uh, with our guitar podcast here. You know? So. That so okay so then like you guys get become friends and then one day he's like look I need more people on my podcast come on the pod well yeah. it's that's what's funny it was never supposed to be his podcast oh. it was supposed to be Max and Travis's oh, podcast. Interesting. Okay. oh I didn't know that yeah he was supposed to just come on once in a while and you know add the expert opinion and they were supposed to be the the host yeah, goofing yeah. off and and then it somehow like they they both went into completely different careers for a yeah. while. And Brian's like, man, I feel like I'm guess I'm just gonna have to fold up shop. And I'm like, you can't stop chasing tone. That's crazy. You're on episode 100. You've got like an actual fan base built. People love it. People look forward to it yeah. each week. Here's what you do. I was like, do what I do. Just get get different guests. Yeah. On. Just like have different people come on and just have a good time with them. Oh, so you were the one and that really like, well, convinced him to keep this thing going. That's that's great. Yeah, because he was definitely yeah, gonna Blake he was, to like thank. I'm just gonna fold it up. See? Or or blame. <laughs> or, blame. <laughs> or blame for this I've... ridiculousness. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's a it's such a fun so podcast. He, th- thank you. So he, he had me come on and again, I mean the first few were kind of rocky because it was like the first you know, when I'm interviewing people, it's fairly straightforward. Yeah. I ask questions, you answer yeah. question, I ask another question. Yeah. Like it it's fairly straightforward, but when it's a, a co-host situation, as you guys are familiar yep. with, and again, podcasting being relatively new, at least in the main like mainstream internet culture at the time, we were still just figuring it out. So a lot of people hated me when I came on because I wasn't Max oh, or Travis. Oh, really? Oh, Portland guy. Yeah. Oh, from Portland. Were they riding their penny farthings and twisting their mustaches? <laughs> you know, like oh. <laughs> and their craft beers what are they doing <laughs> yeah so there was and and that's fine you know camp comes with the territory and we did that for a while i feel like we did that for 300 like from episode 100 to episode three something wow. it was just yeah it was it was a while and it got to the point to be perfectly fair like i was wondering how long are we going to keep doing yeah this? yeah you know uh, we don't have much more advice that we haven't already given. Yeah. You know, we don't have, there's good, always guitar news, but are we even the best at covering it? Not yeah. really. You yeah. know, and, and then Richard started working for wow. Womp. And then he came on for a couple episodes and I was like, aha, it, it, Richard that's, has, Rich, that's what th- we were This is missing. no offense yeah. to you guys. Cause I, I loved listening to just you and Brian. Like I, I think it's a, it was a great podcast, but Richard, you obviously has like breathed new life into this podcast. Oh, he had such an interesting no. flavor to yeah, it yeah. though. And then like Matt said, like you, I mean, you and, and, and Brian are fantastic, but Rich, it's, it's interesting. Like when with Richard on there, because 
It's just like I said, it's, and, it's such a, a different flavor, you know? And if you have a podcast um, with somebody with a British accent, it automatically it, makes it, it a little yes. more legit. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah. There's something we, about that British accent, right? We, had, just, we <laughs> had, we had, we had, uh, um, a, um, I said that to uh, Andy, the guitar geek. Um, yeah, Andy Farrell. You know, oh, Andy? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. And, I, I, Andy, he's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said that to him and it was, I was like, it's just true. <laughs> it is. It is. Cause we're like, y'all, what? I got this pedal, <laughs> you know, and the impedance, the impedance is off in my pedal. Yeah, yeah. I, you yeah. know, nobody, t- nobody takes yeah, it. Why is it something like, like as Americans, like we hear somebody with a British accent, it, we're almost automatically like just completely convinced and enamored by, convinced by whatever they're saying and enamored by the person. <laughs> it wasn't there, there. There was a recent ad on TV, right? There was. I forget what they were advertising, but oh yeah, and the guy's he like, said, oh, and yeah, he said, I'm a, like, I'm a British, I'm, I'm a British actor, right? You should listen it's, to it's me like, because I'm a British actor. Like they thing. were making fun of it. It's yeah, a total yeah. thing. Anyway, but but Richard's great. Not just that he's British; that he's he he he. It's a lot of fun, and he brings a lot to the yeah, right. So, yeah. Well, and it, he brought something like I mean, I was always down to make fun of Brian, but like <laughs> there was there was always something where. You know, we would try to like, how much on topic do we need to stay? Oh, I don't geez, know yeah. how, how off do we need? Uh, you know, I don't really know. And then when Richard came on, it was just like, no, we just need to try to have a good yeah. time. Yeah. We just need to have fun. And then if we're having fun, most of the time, other people will be having fun as well. And and he just has enough of a different perspective. It's kind of interesting because Richard's a little bit of a blend of Brian oh, and okay. I. Yeah, I see like that. Brian, Brian's very you know, Midwestern likes eighties butt rock. And that's like his whole thing. And Richard's like, likes a little more eclectic stuff. He likes that stuff too. And, but he'll go way heavier than Brian and also way poppier and way softer. And I'm kind of just like this weird, like, I don't even know, like early two thousands kid that just grew up with the warp tour. That's and right. So warp I just tour. don't even know where, where I fit warp in the tour, world. Mike, you know? Mike Kim. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we know, mm-hmm. uh, but no, it's cool. Well, <laughs> you know, Dave and I joke about this cause we were like, we would love to have Brian on because we're big fans of the eighties, butt rock too. And we feel like that's how we could convince him to come on and say, Brian, you can come on and just talk about eighties music <laughs> for an hour straight. Like, what do you think, man? You're not going to get him to talk on any subject for an hour straight. <laughs> it, it, it will go into thirteen thousand different. Okay, subjects, all right. Well, but, we can. Try. You can start there. You can, we start, can start there. there. We can start. We talk about George Lynch. That's right. We love, we're big George Lynch fans. <laughs> yep. We talk about them all. We talk about. We'll go through the list of '80s guitarists. Dave and I have actually done that on this podcast where we've done like top five. Eight. We, we don't. We don't love the lists, but we're not a list podcast. Like, but we we can't help ourselves, but occasionally just. I, delve I think into Dave one. like like threw out names and said you have to rank these people, and I had to rank them and. Anyway, so we 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 that we, can be we fun, love though. that stuff. Yeah, we, we well love we like stuff. to we like to like pull some surprises on each other, just to kind of <laughs> keep it entertaining. So and we always do this to our guests. So I hate to do this to you, Blake, but we have a segment <laughs> on oh, this podcast, all right, uh, that we do pretty frequently about uh, bands you should be listening to, and oftentimes we just kind of highlight bands that uh, give us a band uh, that you that you love and you think our listeners would really love to listen to. Oh man. I've, I mean, I have so many bands that I love that I don't think get enough love, but I talk about them all the time. So maybe they do get enough. Yeah, love. you do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk, talk about some, I mean, I could talk about thrice for the, a whole nother two hours, but I probably shouldn't do that because you've heard it enough, but, uh, let's see. No, but they're great. 
Oh man, I, I mean they're still one of my favorite bands. I I mean my favorite band for sure. Because I, I every time I think maybe they're not my favorite band anymore, maybe I've grown past that. I'll go back into one of the albums I haven't listened to in a while and been like, "This is a masterpiece," and that's just all there is to it. So, yeah, I love love that band deeply. And this is the thing about them is there's, if you're a rock fan, I think there's something for everybody in their catalog. And I know that sounds like a cop out, but it it's really true. Once they once they got past the once they did Visu. They just kind of just they had such a different variety of styles. And so if you start with the Alchemy Index, which is the one they did based on the four elements, you're going to get a good sampling of that band. And if you don't find one song that you like in there. You probably don't like music like that's like there's something that you like in there, something I talk about that band constantly. Uh, Everybody knows that. So I'll stop talking about that band when I die. But for now, I'll stop talking about them. There's a few other bands that I have been listening to in heavy rotation for a while. And they both kind of have, I mean, one of them actually opened for thrice and I wish I would have watched them. This is weird. Cause I usually watch all the opening bands, but this is the first time I actually got to interview anybody from that band. So I got done with the interview with Tepe and I came out and Ed, the bass player was sitting down there and we just started talking and this band that I wanted to see was playing up above. And my decision was, do I get to sit here for, you know, an hour and talk with the bass player from one of my favorite bands? Or do I get to go up and see this band that I really like? And I made the decision. I'm going to sit here with the bass player and, you know, shoot the breeze, which I, I still think was the right decision. Cause I feel like I'll get to, because we, we got pretty close and we have nerded out about, about a lot of stuff. Since then, I've got to like get sneak peeks when they're recording. He's like showing me their setups. And so, yeah, oh, I think that awesome. was oh, that's great. that was the right choice. But the band I'm referring to is Holy Fawn. And they are such an interesting band. They are a pretty heavy band. They've got a lot of shoegaze elements. So there's like big atmospheric parts that just kind of. And then they just come in with this big crushing riff, just but they're not and a what screaming. Is, so what band. is the name again? Who say it Ho- again? Holy Fawn. Holy, Holy Fawn. Okay. okay great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they don't, they're not like a screaming heavy band. It's not like that. Okay. It's vi- very big, higher, like higher pitched vocals, very like soaring vocals, I would say. Okay, great. And they kind of go oh, from like a, like a whisper and then like, very, nice. They do the quiet, loud thing really, really well. Oh, that's great. And and I just really like that band. Really, so Holy Fawn, and, and of course, Thrice that you were mentioning earlier, which, uh, you know, listeners to your po- your podcast know that you, you are a huge fan of that band. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great. Yeah, we'll have to check these guys out. Anybody else? Uh, now, one that's, it's definitely a heavy band, and I, they're fresh in my mind because I was just listening to them the, them to them today while I was doing some lifting. They're my like my go to lifting band right now is uh, Knocked Loose, and they're Knocked uh, they're, Loose. Interesting. They're, okay, they're a hardcore band, uh, very down tuned, very heavy, and the guy sounds like the singer. He sounds like a madman. Like he's <laughs> <laughs> like it's so that's like perfect lifting music though, right? Yeah, I mean, totally. It is. Yeah. yeah, he's he's got kind of a voice that people love or hate, and I understand. It's one of those things. Where I'm like, you know, you you have certain things where like, how could anybody hate this? Like, I can understand why somebody would hate this. I don't. <laughs> I love it. 
But I can also understand this is not for everyone. But they're a really popular hardcore band right now. They've blown up, and it's a lot to do with their live shows. And just they've got really powerful, like it's just very aggressive. I really like them a lot. Not oh, yeah, Matt. Matt and I get into these discussions all the time because I'm I'm into some of the heavier stuff, and he's not at all. He won't even give them a chance. Um, well, but I, I mean, no, not, I give some people a chance. You give some people a chance, but you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, like you know, like I mean, more mainstream or more mainstream hardcore kind of stuff. But like he, like I, I, I'll, I'll get into like periphery, you know. And yeah. you know, he, Matt, Matt, Matt will appreciate like Misha Monsoor's guitar playing and that. Oh kind yeah, of thing. like I listen to the guitar solos and I'm like, yeah, but he isn't like unbelievable. Music, you know, and yeah. then I'm listening to the songs and I'm like, what the hell? Like this is a lot of screaming. I don't know what the hell's going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> But that's then what it is. You probably want to steer clear and knock loose then. You think I should say, okay, yeah. yeah, but some, some mm. of our listeners might be into that. So um, that's awesome, Blake. Well, see, that that that's great. I, I mean, I love the, and this is the thing. One of the themes of this podcast is like keep rock alive, like rock in the greater sense. Like I, we think of it as like guitar based kind of kind of stuff is what we think mm-hmm. of it as sure. guitar based music. And, and it's so great because there's just, there's just so many awesome bands out there that you, you know, no matter what kind of style you're into you can find people doing it like we found it like i mentioned to you like we're really into the 80s um type of rock like butt rock as you call it mm-hmm. <laughs> i call it hair metal you know whatever you want to call it um, hey, whatever name you come up with um and there's a bit like we found this awesome band of like young guys just like really leaning into that stuff and not like mm-hmm. steel panther that's like a parody of it you know where they you know it's just like a joke and it's awesome i mean i think they're, they're like the music is great. Like this is Satchel, who's a guitar player for Steel Panther, is awesome. But, but sure. um, you know, it's like a shtick that they're doing. It's just different. These guys are like writing original music. That's not like a shtick. Like it's a real. Like they're really trying to do this, and it's like awesome. It's like wow, these are like younger guys that are embracing this sound and this kind of era of music, putting their own little spin on it and doing it. So it's like it's great to see that out there in the world these days. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that rock, the whole rock is dead thing is, is just, it, uh, it's, it's kind go. of, kind of played out. It's stupid. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, not even yeah. accurate. It's not yeah. even accurate. I know that like it behooves me and the way I make a living for rock to be a sustainable, like long, go, uh, long yep. living thing, but it's not, it's not dead. There are more people playing guitar than there ever have been yeah. in the history of That's electric right. guitar. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. to think that the guitar music is dead. There is more guitar in popular music now than there has been in years. And the fact that that people say rock is dead, they're just saying like, oh, no bands filling stadiums anymore. But we talked about my chem briefly. That band was not a stadium filling band when they when they went on hiatus. They weren't. They played some larger venues. They were a big band. They were popular. They were not filling stadiums. They are selling out stadiums everywhere they go across the world now. Wow, you're sitting and you're sitting here trying to tell me that rock's dead. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely you know. And we 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 talked j- just last week on the pod. We talked about you know. There's still you know we call them you know you could call them like a nostalgia axe, but you know like these old like the Rolling Stones, Aerosmith. Aerosmith. These people can still go and sell out stadiums. Motley right? Crue, Def Leppard. They you know, just had we a very and, successful stadium tour. That's right. Summer, Motley Crue and Def Leppard and Poison and Joan Jett. Like they just had the, like one of the highest grossing tours you know of the I mean, year. Vince was can't sing anymore, but okay, but that's oh, yeah. Vince has no freaking <laughs> business on stage at all. But I think that's right. Poor and, and guy. We, yeah. We we recently saw Aerosmith at Fenway Park, and it wasn't just a bunch of old people. 
right? It wasn't just like Boomerville. I mean, it kind of was a little bit of Boomerville, but it was, but there was, was, but I think there was, there was all kinds of other people there too. You know, very, yeah. The, the, the age demos, the, the, I mean, it was definitely, we expected to see the, the, you know, Boomerville, but it definitely wasn't. It really, (laughs) (laughs) but it definitely spanned. It wasn't, it was Gen Xville. Okay. It (laughs) definitely was. (laughs) It was great. It was, was, yeah. I think some of that though, Matt, I think some, I think some of that crowd was there just to be there but you know what i say that's, that's great that's good true. for them great good sure. for them checking out a rock show you know okay blake so before we let you go we gotta hit a couple more topics hopefully. i was gonna rant for another 30 minutes on this hopefully no, oh, oh okay. we could, we could okay. go on all night about this <laughs> but tell us because i want you to be able to do it tell us about string joy um yes you know string oh, yeah. is such a cool endeavor that you're involved in people making strings in a boutique way in a custom way um which is awesome. So like, tell us a little bit about Stranger and what's going on with. with well, thank them. you for bringing me back to like where I probably should be uh, <laughs> since there's like, you know, 20 plus people that, that got to eat. Uh, it's, it's a crazy thing that happened. I mean, I, when I, I actually went meant to get into that and we got totally segued, which, you know, we're <laughs> podcasters. That happens. Yeah. It's a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it all comes back to the podcast. Scott came on episode 20. And I thought, like, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about strings for an hour? Really? Or how are we going to talk about, like, how? How are we going to talk about strings for yeah, an hour? how's that going to work? I, right. I hopped on a call with him, and I was like, oh, I really like this guy. And yeah, I think we can talk about strings for an hour. Fast forward to now, I talked to him about strings for 30 minutes to three hours every workday. Oh, wow. I'm on the phone with him every single day during the week and sometimes during the weekends too, just sorting through any number of issues, you know, employee stuff, production stuff. Yeah. Business stuff. Business stuff. (laughs) Yeah. You just talked about this on your more, on your most recent podcast, right? I think so. I talk talk a lot about about on the internet. I don't know. You talk a lot on the internet. (laughs) Yeah, no. Okay. So that, so that's awesome. So, so whose idea was it? Like, was this like a joint venture where you guys are like, yeah, let's, like he was like, I'm starting the string company. And you're like, I'll help you. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not quite, I didn't quite get in that early, but almost. Okay. okay. So he had had the string company going for a while and he had, or not too long, maybe nine months to a year. I'm not really sure exactly. Somewhere in that ballpark, probably a year. I think a little over a year, actually, now that I think about it. Okay. And, and he, we talked about strings. We talked about what he was trying to offer to the market on the podcast. And then we just yep. got off the, the phone and we just or off the recording and we started talking and talking and realized we kind of started talking almost every day oh, about great. the company or, or just kind of the guitar industry in in general. And at some point he was like, Hey, look, I think we've got something here. Do you want to get involved in the company? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. Cause I believed in him. <laughs> You know, mm, I, I mm. you know, I, I've said this before to lots of people. He could have been selling toilet paper. Yeah, no, that's I've, so true. Like, you know, like I have a little bit of a business background and that you talk about venture capital people and they will tell you like, it's probably like 80% the people that are running, that are coming to you with these ideas and pitching these mm-hmm. companies. You know, it's yeah. really not so much the idea. It's like, do we think this person is going to pull it off? So you had that, you had that thing. Yeah. Yes, except yeah. I'm not a venture capitalist. I was a <laughs> Sounds like you oil, are a little oil, bit, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Well, I uh, I pulled out of my 401k to do it, so I'm oh, not sure. Oh, wow. If, uh, Look at you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you are a venture capitalist. Okay. Yeah, so it was one of those things, and it was relatively small in the grand scheme of things, you know, yeah. uh, but at the time, it was like, you know what they say, like, never never invest more than you're willing to lose. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so, and, and, and Scott, ultimately, I believe, I mean, he's told me this, so I don't, it's not really something I believe, but he thought that I would bring, he was like, that's like, I, the money was more just like to get skin in the game. Yeah. Right? To make sure you right. were committed. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. He, be- he believed that I believed in him and that we could do things better together. And I think that that's, that's been very true. So string joy, basically the whole point from that day forward was like guitar strings have just been guitar strings forever. That's why some people are just like, like I even said, like we we're going to talk about strings. Yeah, what like, it, what the hell? Yeah. Well, well yeah. yeah. And and that still is the prevailing attitude. And there's so many details that go into this. Yeah. That that's absolutely insane how many things can go into a string. And now I'm like, how did some of these companies, some of these. Now, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. But I'm, I have seen some work recently from some larger not even like the largest companies. The largest companies do a pretty good job, to be honest. Okay. But there's some companies that are considered stalwarts in the string game. I'm like, you are not making a good product. Oh, wow. <laughs> so what distinguishes, yeah. what distinguishes String Joy from other companies? I mean, the biggest thing is we started as a custom shop. Yeah. So, you know, everyone knows like probably the most popular electric guitar string gauges are the 10 to 46 gauges. Yeah. And Scott basically did the very simple math to go like, that's not even the best setup for a set of tens. That's not that even if you like it. Sure. There's nothing wrong with it if you like it, but that's not like tension wise, the best set. That's just what Ernie ball, the dude decided, not the company, like the actual guy. He was like, we'll make a 36 and then what's 10 higher. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know? yeah, yeah. I don't know what his actual thought process was, right? Like, but it's, but that might not some, be that far off. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, cause he, he did revolutionize guitar strings. Ernie ball did. He really did. Cause he was the first one to like integrate the bando banjo sets and then, well, he saw players were doing it and to make that an option. Actually, Ernie ball has not a s- dissimilar story from string joy. They saw something that people were doing and there was no factory option for and string joy. Scott saw, things that he was doing that other people were doing and there was no factory option for these things. So he made that possible. But when we started manufacturing for ourselves is when it really changed. Um, I see. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Which was about two years. I want to say after year and okay, a half, two so years after that, I got involved. Were you, so before that you were doing like private label stuff, like you would contract, like, I don't know, Ernie Ball, uh, you, you you don't have to name the name, but well, Ernie like, Ball is actually one of the few that do not do private label. To uh, my knowledge. Oh, okay, yeah. for, okay, but like so, Dario makes that, a lot of private label. Yeah, who's that? Dario, is that right? Dario, okay. they do okay. a ton, okay. a ton. I think they've publicly stated like thirty percent of their oh, okay. business wow. is private That's label. Interesting. Okay, so like, let's yeah. say like you were using a private label, and then so then you were like, no, we're actually going to manufacture this on our own. That's wild. Well, so it, it, it's kind of funny, and this speaks to the company and speaks to Scott. So basically, the story is we had several different manufacturers, fa- uh, man- manufacturers we were sourcing from, yeah. and that was based upon different criteria that Scott had. He was like, oh, I really like this string from this people, this string from this people, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, and I can put it together and make these awesome custom sets. And one of our suppliers 
got so fed up with dealing with the pickiness that he was like, you know what? It's going to be less of a headache for me if I just sell you these two machines <laughs> and you just deal with it and go away. This is that's like, a, that's a great story. Like, I mean, that's really that's really what it was. And you know, I know because I did like, listen to your last episode and you did talk yeah. about this. And yep. it's just amazing that they were like, you know what? We're done with you. Take my machine. Take the machine. Yeah. You, you, you figure it out. Just, you know. Yeah, just figure it out. I mean, yeah. they were nicer than that. They sold it to us and then, then they did come out and like show us how to run it. But oh, I mean, yeah. literally, Good. literally the next day it was like, that's how you do it. That's not the best way to do it. And I'm, you know. Okay, and then it, you started it, tweaking from there. Wow. From okay. there. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yep. But but string joy like talk about what you can do. Like you can do it's still you do you still do custom stuff if you say if you call them up cuz that's what I thought you guys are still doing that. Where you can call them up and say, "You know, I we want do. something a different. I want like a a 9.25 or <laughs> I don't know, like <laughs> whatever it is." You, can, yeah. you can't quite get that granular. Okay, but, all right. Like, okay. We we definitely do <laughs> We definitely do half gauges though. That's, oh, okay. that's half not gauge. Me. Okay, so nine point five. If I want to, because I feel like I know nine point five is out there. I feel like I need some nine point fives from my. Well, P- how did this like this? this 10, so you like one of the one of the signature sets is the ten to forty eight, right? So how did that? You talked about like the the traditional ten to forty six is not like how did you how did how was that figured out? Like that's not the an adequate tension or, or appropriate tension. Well, it's all it's math. We actually have a, a string tension calculator. We can go on our website and see for yourself. So and this isn't true across the board. In fact, on bass guitar, a lot of people like it to be slightly unbalanced, myself included. It just oh. feels a little little bit better. But on guitar, for most people, they're going to see some benefit about having bal- balanced tension across the fretboard. So every string diameter is different, obviously, but the tension yeah. is roughly the same. Now it's impossible to get it identical, but you can get it really, really close. And that's where the 10 to 48 comes in because 48, if you look at, I can't remember what the exact numbers are, but you can plug it into our tension calculator and see a 46 is going to have less tension. And that's why a 46 feels kind of weird. If you really think about it, if you're playing a 10 to 46 set next time, feel that low E and bend it around. It doesn't, it's got less tension on it than the string below it wow. or any of the other strings really. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah. Now that you say yeah, that, so if, you know, now that you uh, say that I'm like, Oh geez, he's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. So the 48 largely fixes that. Okay. So 10 right. to 48 set is really a lot more balanced and a lot more optimized. And there's, there's some other sets in there that are like that as well. But the 10 to 46 is the most obvious one. Cause most people have played that at some point. Yeah. And yeah. Right. just accepted that that's how it is. It, that's how it is. It's just sure. ten to forty six. Okay, that's yeah, yeah. I don't know most, if I've played a ten to forty eight. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna, you know, it looks like we're gonna be mm-hmm. doing some ordering on String Joy later this evening. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk to me afterward. We'll figure it okay, out. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's awesome. but yeah, the custom sets are still a big thing. It's about twenty percent of the business. Oh, still. really? Okay, all right. Yeah, because people. Wow. Yeah, I've got a weird custom set I like. It's like a ten and a half. T- to 52 with a wound 20 G that's really fun. Wow. Um, yeah. And, the, the and that's G. obviously, yeah. And that's obviously not balanced. The 52 is because I'm, I, I like the drop D and even in standard tuning, I like how it feels. It yes. feels kind of, it's got more tension there than needed, but because I play like a gorilla, that's good <laughs> for me, you know? So you know, there, there's all kinds of ways you can optimize and, we have so many options for seven and eight string players too. 
Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And then, that, I'm sure that's a big. You can really get into that too. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a much smaller segment of the market than you might think. Yeah. But but they're wildly underserved, and so we've we've done a good job with trying to support them because we make all the way up to a 95 in guitar. Wow. And so so wow. you metal so, guys out there. <laughs> You know, this is where you want to be. It's not just metal, but it's mainly metal. The seven and mainly. eight strings. Yeah, seven and eight strings. Mainly. Um, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That, are, that and Charlie Hunter, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so awesome. String Joy. I mean, this, this is such a cool company. It's really... It really is. It's just like doing something different. And like you said, like it's so... Like when I first heard about String Joy, I think, I think they started... Um, they started advertising with 60 cycle. They started sponsoring them at one point. And I think they went through a lot of podcasts. So I'm like, well, what is this string joy thing? And I was like, yeah, I don't know, but um, you know, but it's, it's just sounds so cool. Like, it's like, Oh, it really is different. There really is a value to what you guys are doing. And it's really, you know, if you're a guitar player, you should be checking this out. It's very cool. Um, hey, thank you. Or thank a bass player yeah. or a bassist. <laughs> you should be checking yeah. with Stinge One Stainless Steel too. Um, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's our new thing, the Stainless Steel Rangers. But for for bass players, though, I mean, I know I'm just making a big commercial right now, but we do really that's we right. offer a lot more stuff that is just not widely available. Bass six players should definitely check out what we have. Okay, all right. Uh, because we got okay. we've got cool. links in there that can that can really help you out a lot because oh, that's okay. a very difficult instrument to get strings for despite its popularity right now. Oh, really? Okay, and, interesting. And, yeah. and when we got short, medium, and long-scale bass strings, which is a nightmare from the manufacturing side, but it's great that there are options for <laughs> players well, out that's there what you that, guys that do. weren't you there You guys before. Like, take one for the team, and you're like, you know, yes, there may not be a lot of people that need this, but it's out there, and people need it, so we're going to do it if people need it, which is, th- which is really cool because, you know, without that, you're stuck as a, as a musician, you know, so... Yeah, you might be kind of surprised to find out how many luthiers will call us up or email us or whatever. Yeah. Well, no, this is the this is the weird part. They're like, you know, I made this crazy eighteen stringed multi scale whatever. Oh god! And uh, then I realized nobody makes strings for it. (laughs) Sometimes we can help them, and sometimes it's like, yeah, bro, you really should have thought about that sooner because we have to like literally shut down a whole line. Oh, to, to get make this your thing. Yeah. Yeah. So like, sure, we can do it for you. Your strings are going to be a thousand dollars. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. Because <laughs> we're going to shut and down a whole because, production line. Because we have to. Yeah, yeah. because we have. That's how much product we'll have to stop making yeah, in order wow. to make totally. that. Wow. That's you know? great. Well, that's crazy. That's really crazy. All right, Blake. And for so, like a for for a guy like me, who's kind of I mean, I so I started playing guitar and like, you know, acoustic guitar because Matt convinced me to do it back in like. 99 and then college you know he in college and he and he really got me into the electric gig you know on my fault blake four or five years ago so i'm kind of new to the whole but you know and i used to think like well you know strings are strings but i can tell you that from everything i've learned in the last bunch of years like that is so far from the truth you know and so what you guys are doing out there what you guys are doing with string joy is fantastic it really is great. So check out String Joy, String Joy, everybody. But Blake, so we got to do this, Blake, because you're Blake. So those of you okay. that don't know the Tone Mob, know oh, here we go. Blake, there's a big pizza theme. Um, and <laughs> as guitar dads, we love pizza because we're dads, and that's what dads do. And, and Blake, you're a you're a dad yourself. So you're you're, you're like you're like a legit guitar dad, um, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> but but <laughs> I, but I've been, I've been kind of dying to ask you this about pizza, right? So. So how much do you know about pizza that goes on in New England? I know you know about 
like New Haven type of pizza because that's a specific type of pizza. Do you know mm-hmm. about and like any of the other subgenres of pizza in the New England area? No, not <laughs> not like I should. I mean, I know about clam pies. I've been getting yeah, clam, clam pies. Yeah, clam pies are great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Love so, a good clam so pie. Here's but the, I'm not as well versed as I should be. I'm gonna. I'm okay. All right. Because there's something that we do, and, and those of us listening from the from the Boston area are gonna are gonna do this. But I want to bring it up to you, Blake, because you're such a pizza aficionado. Do you know about Greek pizza? Do you know what Greek pizza is? Is this a thing outside of New England? Is this is it, I feel like somehow this isn't gonna be what I think it is. It's basically, <laughs> it's, it's a style of it's a style yeah. of it's not like putting feta cheese and stuff on a pizza. It's 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 a style style of the the way they do the crust. Right. Yeah. I think you, I think you would like it. So the next time you're in the new England area, it might just be a Boston area thing. Most Um, of our, like our, our general, like mom and pop takeout, you know, pizza shops, they, that the style of pizza that they tend to serve is like what we, what you consider like Greek style, even though it's not like traditional, like Greek pizza, Yeah, because what they call it. Because there's there's a, there's a tradition in the Boston area where, Greek uh, families run these pizzerias. It's kind of crazy. It's just like they just run them, right? And, you know, they make like subs and sandwiches and and the gyros and it's it's awesome, but they make their brand of pizza. And every town Mm. in Massachusetts has at least one of these stores that makes this brand of pizza. So I'm just, I just, I was just interested if you heard of it or ever tried it. You know, the, the best way I can describe it is, and Dave, help me out here. It's kind of, it's like a pan pizza. Right, it's thicker. Kind of, yeah, it's a little it's thicker, thicker crust, yeah. but this thicker very crust. it's a very distinct crust that I think is incredibly good. It's it's very light and and uh, airy, and then you know the crust itself is a little bit th- thinner, but it has like a crunch to it. I think you would like it, but you might not. I would love to like see you try and be like, this is ridiculous. What the hell is this? So anyway, <laughs> is it like a Detroit style pan? Like because a Detroit style kind of has like. It's thicker, but I think it, it, if you look at it, it looks dense, but it's well, not. What kind that of de- what kind I don't know if Detroit. I've had Detroit yeah. style. So explain that to us. <laughs> it's also a pan. It's also a pan okay. style pizza. Okay. And uh man, the corners are glorious because the cheese kind of melts. Yeah, down the, the cheese. Oh. That's what this yeah, does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a yeah, round. It, so I should say this is a round pizza. It's always round. Oh, it is a round one. Okay. And they put they have the, these special round pans that they put in. It's crazy. So Anyway, <laughs> it's like I want to like try Chicago. It. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Detroit's square traditionally. Yes. Yeah, okay. Is- Detroit's a square as well. Okay. All right. Or rectangle or whatever. A rectangle or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you don't. Okay. So you don't know about this. So wow, look at that. Like there's a pizza Blake doesn't know about. I can't believe it, Blake. You stumped him. It <laughs> happens all the time. It happens all the time. <laughs> but Blake's last that episode of the Tone Mob was with um. I'm forgetting his name, but a guy that runs a pizza tour company out of New York City. Scott. Scott. Scott from Scott's Pizza Scott, Tours. Scott's yeah. Pizza, pizza Tours. tours. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to that episode. I'm like, this is so cool that he's into this. And I loved how at the end of the episode, you know, you really avoided asking him any questions about pineapple on pizza, even though everybody <laughs> on your Facebook group wanted you to na- to say something to him about. So this is another thing that like, like you don't like, this is just like sacrilege to you. Like you're not going to deal with that. It's because pineapple is gross. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so that, you know, and so I wanted to ask you, does now, I had you, to mention it in the intro just would, because that's would you the kind of guy pineapple on its own. You just don't like any pineapple. No, pineapple is gross. Okay, so you don't need so I I, I don't all. think I've ever heard you say this. Okay, maybe I have, but you don't like pineapple in any shape or form. 
I will say I like pineapple. Uh, I like Al Pastor tacos. Okay. Oh, All right. So, That's which are, delicious. Which are cooked with, the, but I don't want. There's some places that serve it with the chunks of pineapple in there. Get those out of there. The pineapple has <laughs> oh, okay. done All that. Right. It's done its job already. It's it's added the acidity that yes. it needs to. Yes. The chunks need to go away. <laughs> uh, they need to not exist in my taco. That's the only form of pineapple that I'll accept currently. Now, that said, I'm a type of person who routinely goes back and, you know, revisits things that I thought I didn't like. Okay. You know? I've had some some things I, I when I was a kid I didn't like onions love onions yeah I didn't I, I you know there was lots of things that I used to not like that I absolutely love now yeah that said I re, I tasted some pineapple about three weeks ago still don't like it oh okay so. all right mm-hmm. so so I'll tell you what like I feel the same way I don't I like I love like I love like pineapple is probably one of my favorite fruits to eat on its own I think it's incredible putting on mm-hmm. a pizza I think it doesn't work at all I agree with you like in like these savory dishes like the al pastor or anything it's like no don't put the pineapple in there like that's enough i totally agree with you with this i think you guys are making me hungry i'm gonna what do you think dave Dave, do you do you get into the hawaiian pizza like no i i i mean i i will if i'm really that hungry but it wouldn't be my first go-to pizza but i'll eat it put it that way i mean i would eat it if it's there as well because it's pizza but I think it's I'm picking the pineapples off. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I'm probably yeah. not going to find them. Blake, what's mm-hmm. your what? I'm not going to ask you what your favorite pizza is because that's your that's your that's your <laughs> shtick. But what I mean, have you been to the New England area and have you been to a pizza place around here that you like so that we we would we might check it out? <laughs> I have been to the New England area. Un- uh, unfortunately, I wasn't there long enough to really give it a great shake food wise. Oh, okay. I, I, I went right. to Boston. Watch the Gaslight Anthem at the House of Blues. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, that was uh, the first interview I did with Brian. Oh, nice. And uh, got locked out of a parking garage at 2 a.m. A- a. Had to sneak in. It was oh, awful. nice. Oh, oh God. Uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, we literally were flying out the next day. So I basically woke up, went to this random seafood overpriced place that I shouldn't have went to. Oh. And, uh, and, and flew out. So I can't give you any any recommendations oh, okay all right i just i thought you might want to do that but overpriced but, um, seafood places we do very well in doing yeah yeah overpriced and you got to know where to go this is this is the problem where i think is the difference between portland and maybe boston which is you kind of have to know where to go in boston still it, it's it's definitely gotten better but you still kind of have to know where to go to get like really good stuff whereas like i feel like other places like i know portland has a great food scene my uh my brother's in chicago and a lot of the places there are really great and it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Boston's coming up in the world and there's still like some amazing places, but I think like the food scene, I don't know. It's just not as good as some other, other cities. I'm sure so. though, Boston's, you know, you get that high of a concentration of a bunch of people. There's gotta be at least like a hundred plus good restaurants. There like are really there, good. There restaurants definitely there. are. And like I said, it's better than yeah. it used to be. And our, our like North end, which is the Italian section of Boston is like, right. It's, it's right up there with what you're doing in, you know, in New York, maybe not pizza wise, mm-hmm. but I think like for maybe like real authentic Italian food, um, you know, the North end of Boston is really incredible. And it's, it, it, it and over the years, it's gotten better and better. And if you want like Italian pastries, like cannolis and stuff like that, like I, 
I would say we're probably one of the best places to do that in in the in the country. So anyway, so there's that. <laughs> there's that. There we go. <laughs> I will say there's something about Boston. Like I really, really want to go back. So they played the House of Blues right there. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not a baseball fan. Yeah. Right. I don't care. I don't. I mean, it's not that I don't like it. I just don't. I'm not a big sports guy outside of a, a handful of things that I'm casually interested in. But yeah, I will say stand outside of Fenway Park. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. I'm like, whoa, well, there it is. Yeah. We, it we, is. Uh, you know, a lot that. of people say that about Fenway because Fenway Park is like just so, so iconic and it doesn't matter whether you're a baseball fan or not. We hear fin- people all the time talk about it. Well, you just got to get to Fenway. You got to see it, you know? So Blake, we, yeah. we saw Aerosmith there a couple weeks ago and Dave and I on this podcast have bashed Fenway Park as a, as a venue, as a concert venue for a long time. We're just like, the sound mm-hmm. isn't good. It's the seat, you know, it's tough to see because the way that they, they oriented at the park. And then Dave's like, you know what? Forget all that. We're going to Aerosmith. It's happening. We're just doing it. It's a 50th anniversary tour. We're Dave, Dave's a massive Aerosmith fan. I'm a big fan. Okay, fine. And I get in there and the music's playing and I'm looking around Fenway Park and, and I'm like, this is unbelievable. This is a hell of an experience. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so magical, I, I would yeah. really, it was like a magical thing, you know, and I, and, you know, I grew up in Boston going to, to Fenway Park with my, with my dad. So like it holds a special place in my heart, but even without that, I think if you went there and you saw a concert there in particular, because that's what's kind of cooler about it. It's like you're not just watching a baseball game that you might not care about. You know, you're going to a concert and it's just the atmosphere is incredible. So I would highly recommend, you know, checking out a Fenway Park show, um, even if. And I'll tell you what, we, we we're right about the sound. It's not great. Um, it goes right, <laughs> goes right out the top and you just don't hear anything and well, you can hear it, but it's just not as clear as you want it to be. I yeah, think if I you were right on the field yeah. in front of the stage with the speakers blaring at you, it'd be different. And they do have speakers. There was one that like partially obstructed our view. They do have, they do have speakers pointing up into outs off the field, but they're just not as big and as they need to be. It's because I think they would just block everybody's view. So it's a little bit of an issue, but overall it's awesome. So anyway, it's a great yeah. experience. Anyway, yep. Uh, and if you do go to Fenway, I'm here to tell you. Yeah, tell me. If you're gonna go there and see a show. I don't know. I'm I'm just pick, doing this from memory. So if you're looking, if your back is to Fenway Park and you're looking at the House of Blues, yep, yep, yep on Lansdowne Street. That's yeah, what it is. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what I think of? I think of Dropkick Murphy's pipe bomb. Pipe bomb on Lansdowne. Oh that's yeah, a, yeah, oh, yeah, right. yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Everybody's running now. Everybody's at the ground. You better take cover. There's a pipe bomb on Lansdowne. Anyway, love Murphys. Love I'm Murphys a big Murphys fan. You like? Yeah, the Murphys are like a religion. Oh, I'm a huge fan. There. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm a huge yeah. fan. Huge fan. Uh, I got to sing with them uh, a long time ago. Did oh, you? Oh, did. Oh, that's, oh, that's so cool. That's cool. Yeah, it was one of those stage rush things. It wasn't like I got invited. You know, I just rushed the stage and, you know. Uh, Ken Casey handed me a microphone. It was a great oh, thing. That's anyway, oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I sang Fields Bath and Rye. Uh, that was wonderful. Anyway, <laughs> if you're looking at House of Blues back to Fenway yeah. and you go down, I think I want to say it's probably like 75 yards. There's a parking lot there. Yeah. Right. On the same block as 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 House of Blues. That's right. Right. Yep. If you park inside that parking, so there's the lot outside, and then there's the garage inside with the gate. Yes. Yep. If you park inside there, and you're there, I don't know when they close the gate, <laughs> but if you're there, if you're there past two a.m., they close the gate, <laughs> and your car will be locked in. Now, 
this is years ago, but they're, they're, I, I was like, crap, we're going to have to get an Uber, come back and get this in the morning, blah, 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 blah. There's a human-sized hole in the fence, oh, right, to oh. the right of the gate. At least there was. I crawled through. Push the button on the gate, open the what gate, drove story. our car. Oh, well, that, <laughs> yeah. No way. You know what? Like, yeah. When you say human sized hole, it was there for a reason. Somebody else had that. Same I think somebody idea. else got stuck in there before. Yes, like, exactly. I just want to make sure I know exactly what you're talking about. When you're standing looking at, like you said, back to a family looking at House of Blues, do you go right or left to get to this place? Left. Left. Yep. Okay. Left. Yeah, 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 I know exactly. I know, the, you're, I know where you're Yeah, talking we know about. what you're yep. talking about. So I thought you were going to say, I thought <laughs> if you said right, I was going to say, there was a garage there too, but it's all open, so it's impossible to get locked out. But um, but that garage, it used to be a garage to the right, has now turned into this MGH. What is it, Dave? MGH M- Music M- Hall. MGM M- 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 brand new music hall. MGH is the hospital. MGM MGM MGM. We gotta check out a show there. Yeah, they converted this massive like garage warehouse thing into this new venue right on Lansdowne. So like, there's like so many venues on around Fenway Park now. It's kind of unbelievable. So anyway. That's pretty cool. It's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Like la- that weekend that um, a- Aerosmith played, it was Aerosmith and Eric Clapton was playing at the TD Garden, which is where the Celtics and Bruins play like the next night. And then the other night was was Bruno Mars at this new MGM thing. I was like, this is a ridiculous weekend for Boston concerts. So It's like the guy from Ghost says, right? It's too many. He's, right, yeah, too we, many. yeah, we it's just so talked funny about you that, said yeah. that. We talked it's about that. Ruining last... it for everybody, right? I, I know I listened. I know I listened to it. Uh, <laughs> oh, you don't? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was doing my homework. Doing my Look homework. at you oh, there doing you go. your homework. Like, wow. appreciate mm-hmm. it, man. We, we appreciate it. Well, speaking of appreciate it, we really appreciate your time. Really yes. appreciate you coming on Guitar Dads as a fellow Guitar Dad. Um, you know, you're, you're like one of the ultimate Guitar Dads, I would say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Because you. you're doing it thank for you. a living and you're the guitar, you you're, you know, you're the guitar guy and you're a dad. So, and, Blake, tell, tell our listeners like where they can find you, all your socials, all that stuff. Shout it out. Yeah. All the places. Uh, I I got the YouTube channel, which is you know a small but growing part of what I'm doing. And I'm trying to focus on that more and more. Uh, but the main thing is the podcast, the Tone Mob podcast. Wherever you're listening to this, I'm sure you can find the Tone Mob Ooh, podcast as well. Um, Chasing Tone, obviously, we talked about that quite a bit. Uh, Instagram, TikTok. Even though I hate TikTok, I'm there. You know, <laughs> letting them steal all, steal all my data. And Ryan uh, likes you know, TikTok. <laughs> He's liking it less now. Oh, does he? Okay, He's liking it right. less. Yeah, well, yeah, once once they really like we are we know all these things are stealing our data, but once we found out how much data oh, TikTok's out, yeah, stealing, it's, oh, it's yeah. outrageous. But I'm there for now until they get banned. Let's hope they do. Uh <laughs> get banned. All the Gen Zers just turned this off. Um, <laughs> and uh yeah, I mean the main thing's the podcast. Everything I do is I love doing the podcast. And so everything I do ultimately is to get people back to that because that's what I really love. Outside of playing music, that's my other favorite thing to do. So check that out. I make music uh, really weird, like chaotic music. You do, uh, yeah. So you na- do. You, yeah. you made an album. I did, yeah. yeah. So uh, American Cyclops is the uh, name that I do that under because I am also a Cyclops, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. A lot of people. Well, I, I I am. I'm blind in one eye. Um, oh, I did. I so really. I didn't realize that. that. Okay, okay, that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, all okay. right. Maybe yep. I know you've said that before, but I didn't. I didn't realize. I didn't remember that. Okay, great. Not yep, not great for but, you. Uh, sorry, but okay. It's not great for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was. I I promise it was cooler when I had two eyes. That was a lot. That was a nice experience. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. miss it. 
But uh, that's uh, it did make for a decent artist name. So if you like weird horror, weird ambient stuff, I make music under American Cyclops and I got more coming out this year. Very oh, cool. cool. You do. Oh, great. Oh, awesome. And are you doing that all in the shred shed? Indeed. Oh, awesome. Yep. That's so great. Yeah, I recorded yeah. all out here. Yeah, if you want to hear like cool ambient, if you want to hear these pedals at work, listen to Blake's stuff. <laughs> Fuzz pedals, ambient delays, reverbs. You're going to hear it in Blake's stuff. It's very cool. It's very cool. So Thank you. So Thank you very much. So good job. Yeah, so thanks again, Blake. We really appreciate it. Um, so uh, all our listeners, please uh, check Blake out. Check out the Tone Mob. Um, like you said, you can find him everywhere. Um, and a real sh- quick shout out for uh, our Instagram as well. Make sure you find us on uh, Instagram at Guitar Dads Podcast. Find us on our uh, private Facebook group at Guitar Dads Podcast there. And uh, thank you again for listening each and every week. We appreciate you. You guys are driving this show. And uh, we love doing it. Uh, big shout out to Blake. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. And I think this that was this week's Guitar Dads Podcast. That's it, everybody. Keep rock alive. Catch you on the flip. Later. <laughs> <laughs>